constant communication lately. You've all been so much help and you've kept us in the loop of the going-ons and you've given us strength to keep moving forward even when it seems that there really is no hope. Um, I feel like David and Goliath over here, you know, we've definitely, uh, the the fight is is a big one and and we feel really small in comparison. Um, Since we started this investigation and October of 2018, our theory has changed and evolved several times. Our intention has always been to include the public in on that journey. And the reason for this, as I've said many times before, is that public knowledge is power and there is power in numbers. Also, it draws out leads when people who were once terrified to speak up see that they're not alone. Um they're more likely to come forward and and tell what they know. So that's been very helpful also. Tonight, I wanted to go ahead and take a look at how our investigation has evolved, where we are at this moment in time, and we'll also discuss some of our experiences trying to work with the Dyer County Sheriff's Department and why we decided pretty pretty early on to um, not to trust them. Um... One second here. I've got to get my chat up. Okay. Hey, Angela, Tammy, Melody. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us. Um, okay, so at first glance, in the beginning, um, Tracy and I were both of the conclusion that Karen's husband, David, was the likely perpetrator. This remained in the back of our minds, um, obviously, as a possibility for at least the first couple months of our investigation. And then even once we kind of grew past that, we were forced to, at least on a couple different occasions, to revisit this theory. Um, We do feel confident because at this point, or at least I guess maybe I could speak, should should speak um, for myself, Um, I do feel confident at this point because of his willingness to answer questions and because of his willingness to let me speak with the children that that this could be ruled out. And so therefore, I have ruled that out in my own investigation. Um, Also, there were several inconsistencies that we found within the Dyer County investigation or what we knew of it that caused us to be concerned that the integrity of their investigation 
into the murder of Karen Swift had been greatly compromised and that David was the one who would pay for that. Uh, we will discuss that more later on in this podcast. After the theory um, of the hit and run, which that was um, very early on, and if any of you listened to our first podcast, then you probably are aware of that, but we had received a lead in the very beginning that um, there was a young man who was at a party who had been drinking, who admitted to a group of people that he had accidentally hit Swift with his truck and dumped her body. Um, so that was our first real lead uh, beyond the David Swift did it theory. And we were able to rule that out pretty quickly as a rumor and um, a falsehood. And then moving on from that, we turned to address the most popular theory of all, which was the jealous wife theory. Um, this theory, as many of you know, was not a new one. Uh, the Katormas and Sells names have been blasted all over Facebook and all over topics since day one. Talk of an altercation at the farms, talk of sightings of old McDonald himself at the cemetery, talk about McDonald's being torn down, um, and talk of a freezer being involved and um, even media interview of Daddy mentioning his daughter being at the same Halloween party as the victim, but not recognizing her. These were all things that were hot topic among Dyer County residents for eight years and counting. Uh, you guys still with me? Oh yeah, we're here. Okay, y'all, y'all have anything right now that you wanted to? Uh, this is this is where I put in big bold letters pause for Chastity and Tracy to to add their two cents. You guys got anything you want to add at this point? Um, no, I think we're feeling good. Okay. Well, so we turned to that theory, and you know there were some things that we were never really entirely on board about, and I guess one of those things was the freezer. Um, we were never really able to, you know, find any real reason to uh, validate that theory. Um, it does seem, and as, as I've said, as we've said um, from the beginning, you know, we've heard, we've heard about the, free, the freezer. We've, we've heard everybody's theories about Karen being kept in the freezer, um, but we were we were really never able in our own minds to offer any validity to that. Um, now we are talking about a murder, and you know anybody who's capable of that is certainly capable of unspeakable and unfathomable things. So it's certainly not impossible, but we just never really found um, you know any reason to to uh, put too much stock into it, but we were able to put some value into um, the talk of the altercation simply by um, finding people who claim to have firsthand knowledge of it. Um, some of these people were just there, um, and some of them were people who um, were in the inner circle 
um, who claim to have, you know, overheard conversations or been involved in conversations pertaining to the altercation. But one thing that we we do know is that their names were always coming up. They were always at the center of everything. Um, and so therefore, we pretty well kept our investigation focused in that direction. Um, it just made the most sense, and we had the most corroboration. We had the most um, people, you know, and, 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 you know, I understand that, you know, because we can't tell you who told us what, it can be really easy to dismiss our investigation as being based on hearsay. Um, but, you know, we did withhold um, a lot from the public. I mean, we tried to share as much as we could. But we did keep we did keep some things close to the vest, um, and you know we did have, or I, I guess I should say do have, um, quite a few you know witnesses that that were very very close that evening, um, being the evening that Karen Swift was, uh, um, the the evening that she disappeared. I guess I can't say that's the evening that she was murdered because we aren't sure if that happened right away. Um, so recently, you know, I know you've all seen the, um, the extreme amount of, um, activity that's been going on in our investigation. And I think because of that extreme activity, I feel like that's probably why things are happening the way they are right now. Um, I could be wrong, but I feel like, you know, it's really put a fire under uh, Dyer County Sheriff Department's, you know what, and, you know, cause them to, you know, have to make a move um, because the amount of support that we've gained from the community, uh, you know, the people who are coming forward, the people who are talking, and it's just, it's tremendous. It is really tremendous. And I think because of that, um, Dyer County Sheriff's Department knows that they've, they've got to do something. They've got to, They've got to do something. You know, Dyer County is no longer okay with the stagnant position of this case for the last eight years. It just wasn't going anywhere. It wasn't moving forward. Um, but I wanted to discuss a little bit why, you know, in the beginning, when we first started this case, 
one of the first things I did, and I know I've, I've talked about this before, but one of the first things that I did was uh, reach out to the investigators at the sheriff's department because in this case, just like all other cases that I, that I've worked, um, I like to work side by side with the lead investigators. I like to work with law enforcement. It's never been my intention to be, you know, enemies with the investigators. Um, that's not how it should be. You know, we should be working together towards a common interest. And that interest is to find the truth and to, uh, prosecute, you know, to help, to, to help them get the information to prosecute the person's responsible for this crime. You know, that's, that's why I got into this. That's why I do what I do. Um, you know, it's never been, you know, I'm, it's never been, uh, my intent to be, you know, their enemy or work against them. Um, now it does happen from time to time that, you know, investigators don't want the help. Um, but in most of the cases that I've worked, you know, burglary and homicide cases, um, I've been able to, I've been able to help them secure indictments, um, you know, on my, based on, based on the report, you know, based on my investigation, based on my report, they're able to secure indictments or, um, uh, you know, at least get pointed in the right direction. Um, because, you know, as a PI, you know, I have a lot less restrictions on me, um, as to what I can say and do, you know, and how I can, uh, get in with people and, and earn their trust and, and, and coerce them to tell me what they know. Um, I think it's a lot easier for a private investigator to get that information than it is law enforcement. Um, so it's very, I think it's very helpful for law enforcement to um, accept the help of a private investigator when, um, when that's possible. Uh, so anyway, but early on, um, that went awry because, um, I did, I did reach out to them and I did say, you know, they, they, they wanted my file. And I said, yes, of course, you know, and they said, well, do we need to obtain a, uh, a warrant to get your file? I said, no, um, no, of course you don't. You know, I, I want to work with you guys. I'll give you guys what I have. And, um, and, and I did that despite warnings because I had been warned early on, but again, I, I like to, um, now this is bitten me in the butt a couple times, but I do like to try to give law enforcement the benefit of the doubt in most cases. Um, I like to think that they are on the up and up and that they do have the same interests I have. Um, so despite that I had heard early on coming in, that, you know, I'd, I'd heard all the conspiracy theories, you know, from the beginning that they're, you know, they're covering it up. They're, um, botching evidence. They're, you know, this and that, but still 
I want to work with them. I want, I want to, uh, believe that this is not true that, you know, cause I mean, you're always going to have conspiracy theories. You're always going to have people that say, don't trust law enforcement always, you know, and I just, you know, have to see it for myself. I have to, I have to know for myself whether I can trust them or not. And the reason that I chose to back out of my, and, and, and not share information with them anymore was because I was getting word that they were actually shutting down or attempting to shut my investigation down. They were telling, um, some of my witnesses not to speak with me. Um, and I had, um, at least one witness that, uh, well, actually two that I can think of off the top of my head that they had actually, um, gone to talk to and, and tried to get them to retract their statement. And then I was also forwarded some messages um, between different individuals and the investigators where they were saying that I was lying about things, that I did not have witnesses, that if I get on the stand and testify um, at trial, that they will charge me with perjury. Um all these different things that just made me kind of like, what the fuck? <laughs> you know, like it just, it was, it was clear from the beginning that they waged war on me. They waged war on my investigation. I was not welcome there. They did not want me talking to people. And so I stopped because they, because it became very clear very early on that, you know, they were going around behind my back and trying to get people, you know, not to talk to me and, you know, trying to besmirch my, my reputation and trying to discredit me, you know, obviously, you know, that makes me really wonder why, you know, uh, and that made me question, you know, what do they not want me to find out? What are they hiding? Why are they shutting these people down? What are they doing? You know? And so that's why I stopped sharing stuff with them. Um, but as time went on, you know, it's, you know, we kept going, but as time went on, it was like, okay, you know, we're getting this information, but you know, there's going to come a point where, I mean, we can't do anything else. We hit a brick wall because, you know, as Heather, yeah, I think we're having problems with hearing people being able to hear. Oh, can they, um, can they hear me now? Can y'all hear me? <laughs> where are you, uh, where are you seeing this? Are they saying that on Facebook? Can y'all let me know if you hear me or not? I can. Okay. Yeah, I can. I can hear you now. I mean, I can hear you all ago, but um. Okay. Um, uh, I don't know. I'm waiting. Okay. Well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There you go. It's good. It's good. Okay. Okay. So I was just I was just talking about why 
um, why I stopped sharing information with the Dyer County Sheriff's Department. But there did come a point where, you know, we, we had to get, we had to try to get law enforcement, you know, somewhere involved because, you know, if we can, we can gather information all day long, we can have witness statement after witness statement after witness statement, but, you know, we can't really get in there and do what matters. And that's, you know, bring the, the people in for questioning and issue warrants, search warrants, you know, and, um, get, you know, records or, you know, all the things that really need to be done for the solid evidence. We can't do those things. Um, so we needed to make sure that there was somebody else behind us other than, you know, just our team. Um, so, you know, we did reach out to FBI and I did have contact with them. Um, and I know, you know, many of you probably already know cause I've, and, and I'm just kind of, this is just kind of a podcast where I just kind of want to include everything in one podcast so that it's all just kind of here. Um, I know a lot of this we've said in bits and pieces in other podcasts, but, um, but we did, you know, get the FBI involved and make sure that they knew and, um, what was going on. And, and, uh, and I always continued even, even after those communications, uh, dropped off, I've always continued to, um, to share a, a file with them, you know, where they have access to everything that I'm doing. And, um, you know, and I've just, as time's gone, as time has gone by, you know, we've just made sure that, um, that our file is available, you know, to the FBI and to media and to, you know, just everybody and anybody that we felt could be, um, helpful in bringing justice, um, to Karen Swift. So, um, as many of you know, we did sit down with Danny Goodman. Um, Tracy, do you remember what the date was on that or approximately? That was, was that an August 15th? No, August. July. July. No, yes. July. Yeah. July. July. Yeah. Okay. July. Yeah. So in July, we did sit down with Danny Goodman. Um, at that time, my main objective was um, to convince him to remove the Dyer County Sheriff's Department from the case and to bring in the TBI um, to take over. And you know, we had a lot of reasons for this and I did lay those reasons out for Danny. And, um, and it was my understanding that he was going to make attempts to do so. Um, I don't know that that was entirely true. Um, but 
but that was the understanding, you know, wasn't that the understanding that you had, Tracy, that we, that he was going to attempt to? There was a, um, a deal. You made a deal. You put, you laid a deal on the table. Right. Right. I did. And my deal was that I would, um, provide him with my witnesses names and contact information and witness statements if and only if some of them right if and only if he removed the sheriff's department and my purpose of that was that I was afraid that exposing my witnesses to the sheriff's department would put them in danger um and that was based on some of the um information we had received from witnesses uh and also based on our experience of um you know, them kind of going behind us and telling people not to talk to us and um, trying to get them to retract their statements. So, um, but that was my understanding was that, you know, Danny was going to try to work with us and, um, you know, and get it out of um, Dyer County's hands and get it into the TBI's hands. And, uh, and I and I was under the impression that he did actually have a meeting with the special agent in charge um, to attempt to do that. But that was really the last of my communications with him um, of any, you know, um, that was that was the last of my substantial uh, communications with him from then on out. You know, I would just kind of message him here here and there and, you know, when something would happen and try to talk, you know, try to tell him about some of the things that were going on. And some of and of course, you know, some of our witnesses when they were being threatened Um, and, you know, I mean, let's talk about that for a minute, because that's one thing that has always baffled me is where, um, you know, Mr. Sells had threatened a couple of my witnesses personally, directly, um, and called me as most of you are aware. And I mean, we know how he knows about me. I mean, that's not, that's not a question, but you know, it was always, it always baffled. I think, I think I can speak for Tracy, all of us. I, it baffled us where he was getting the names of, you know, how he was coming up with, um, his list of people to go after, you know, we couldn't really understand that. And, um, you know, a couple things that, that just really concerned us was, you know, one, um, that, you know, in our meeting, when we sat down with, um, we sat down in the meeting with Chris Gorman and, um, Danny Goodman, uh, you know, in that meeting, we did not give up our witnesses names. Um, except one. And we still, and we, yeah, and we still haven't. Well, no, that's not them. true. That's not true. 
because I all shared, I shared, no, not all of them, but you, but, but you guys yeah. know this chastity, you know, I know you know this, that, that I did, um, I, I, I was, um, as time went on, I began to trust Danny Goodman and, um, and I did share a Dropbox file with him with several, uh, witness statements in it. Um, so, but that was, you know, I started doing that, uh, when I knew that he was meeting with the special agent in charge. And my reasoning for that was because I wanted him to have that to present to the special agent in charge. Right. Um, because I felt like it was important. I felt like they needed, they needed to hear some of these things that it would be, you know, compelling for them. Um, but what was, uh, what really got me was, you know, that in that meeting and I'm still, I've, I've just, I've thought and thought and thought about this, um, you know, and I don't know, you know, maybe I'm overthinking it. Maybe there isn't as much of a connection as I think there is, but what, what really bothers me is that we gave up one witness in that meeting and it was Mark Morgan. And a month later, Mark Morgan's getting charged with extortion. Um, so, you know, as, I mean, I obviously have to sit back and, and, and look at this and think, you know, is there a connection is, I mean, did, you know, what, what is the, if, is there a connection? What is the connection? Um, you know, is this really what it seems? Is there more to this? Um, it's very confusing to me, very confusing. And so after Mark Morgan was charged with extortion and Sam Kelly, um, I sent an email out to uh, Danny Goodman and Chris Gorman, and I copied the FBI agent, and I copied uh, Charles Kelly, and a um, couple couple other people, my team, um, and I just basically said that just because you know, I said I don't know, I can't say what Mark Morgan's intent was. I can't say whether he really intended to extort Daryl Sells or not. Um, but even if he did, I think that the information that Mark Morgan was attempting to extort them with should be considered and looked at very, very closely. And... Um, also in the email, I named uh, a handful of my other witnesses that I felt were strong witnesses. And I said, um, even if you completely discredit everything that Mark Morgan said, you know, basically, how are you going to discredit these people? You know, what about these witnesses? And I shit you not, within 12 hours, another one of my witnesses 
was threatened. One that I named in that email. And again, I'm just sitting here going, you know, just scratching my head thinking, what the hell is going on? You know, um, what does this mean? Is this, I, I just don't know. I just don't know. And, um, so I go ahead. It is. It's, I mean, I, I, I agree. It's completely, you know, just crazy. Um, but if you take off like Mark Morgan and whatever role he played and you take off Sam Kelly and whatever role he played. Mm -hmm. At the end of the day, you still have someone that's willing to pay twenty five thousand dollars. For whatever. Well, and see, Chaz and, and I don't get that part of it. I, that's the part that is like, I mean, I don't know what to do with that. Well, Chastity, here's the problem with that is that I'm still very confused about what actually happened because. Angela Williams says, well, is that a coincidence that the video got terminated? I'm not sure what you mean by terminated, and I'm not sure which video you're referring to. Can you be more specific? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, I think what she's pro probably referring to is that it was said that there was something in a um, video. Classic. Right. Yeah, and that I think that's what she's talking about. But I don't about. know like what it, was, what ter what it means that it got terminated because um, they intercepted more or less. Because right now so, they're they're all of a sudden coming out with you know we're going to indict and basically shut trying to shut us down again. Well, no, that like um, they intercepted. They like got a hold of the the said video before. You know, yeah, I don't I don't know that. I don't, I don't, you know, we have no reason to know, you know, think that or know that, but, um, let's, I mean, I definitely want to discuss the video more here in a few, um, but back to the extortion case, um, I'm still very confused. You know, we've got the hearing coming up on October 14th and I think, you know, I'm hoping that I'll understand what happened, how that transpired, um, a little better then, but, you know, I mean, we, so the media says, um, you know, what we've seen in the media pertaining to the extortion case is that Sam Kelly and Mark Morgan attempted to uh, to extort someone. And I don't think they name who in, in the media, do they? I mean, it's on the indictment, but in the media itself, it doesn't say who it is. Right guys. Hello. <laughs> it was just on the indictment, which right. is out in the media. Right. So right. Uh, 
Well, the, the indictment yeah. wasn't in the media. The indictment, we posted the indictment. I don't believe, I don't remember seeing the media it's not sharing. In the paper. That's, yeah, the, the paper. It's not in the paper, but it has been, you know, posted all over media. Right, right. So, well, but not in the newspaper. Right. So in the newspaper, they just say, they say Sam Mark's names, but they don't say who they tried to um, extort. But so then when you read the indictment, let me pull up the indictment real quick so that I can make sure that I'm being 100% on this. Um, Because on the indictment, his name appears on the indictment. Oh, yes. Yes. And that's kind of what I'm getting at. Um, Actually, it's buried. I've got so many documents here. I don't even know where it is. But just off the top of my head, if I remember correctly, it says that Mark okay. Morgan. Heather, Heather, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to interrupt you, but we're having people uh, send in messages and say that we go in and out or off and on. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how to fix that. Uh, I'm getting messages saying we sound fine. Um Check the Facebook messages there. I don't, I mean, I don't know what I'm supposed to, you know, I don't know how to fix it. I mean, I don't oh, have, well, yeah. okay. <laughs> I mean, all I, all I can say is um, if, if they, if they're having trouble hearing me, I don't know, try maybe logging out, coming back. It could be that there's so many people on that it might be causing, um, you know, some lag or something. I'm not sure. Um, yeah. So just, uh, if you can't hear, if it goes in and out, just back out completely and come back on and that should fix the problem then. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I just, I don't, I, I'm, I'm not all, I'm not really all that techie first of all, but I mean, even if I was techie, I don't, I don't really see any way that I could, I mean, I've just got the platform here and I'm logged in and I'm talking on it. So I'm not really sure of any other ways to fix if it's not, you know, coming across on their end, but, um, okay. Yeah. So back to, you know, what, where were we? I know we were talking about the extortion, um, case. Um, you were going to pull up the, uh, Oh, the, right. The, the indictment. We were just, okay. So, um, you know, on, on the indictment, I know it says that, you know, Sam Kelly and Mark Morgan attempted to, um, extort Daryl sales for $25,000 because, um, they had, or Mark Morgan rather had supposedly incriminating evidence that would cause his family some legal issues or something of that sort, some, something of that nature. Um, and the thing is, you know, and I think, I think we're really just going to have to wait until the hearing to find out, you know, that, the details, um, of what really happened because, you know, I've, I've had some conversations, um, uh, you know, I've, and I've, and I've received some messages, um, telling me that that's not what happened. Um, I've been told, um, that, um, I've been told, that that's a different story. Yes. It's, it's yes. Like to write the opposite. Quite the opposite. Yes. 
Um, so, you know, at the end of the day, I mean, the proof is in the pudding and, um, you know, and we're just going to have to wait and see what they have, um, and what really happened. But I, you know, I've heard it both ways. I've heard that Mark contacted Daryl. I've heard that Daryl contacted Mark, which <laughs> I tend to kind of believe considering that I happen to know that Daryl has contacted many of my, you know, witnesses, many, many people, um, even not just, even people who aren't actually witnesses, but have just commented or said something he didn't like on the Facebook page, you know, yeah, um, all I, of us. Yeah. I've had people. Yeah. And I agree with that, but I don't know. I, I tend to think, I think that Mark did, I think that Mark contacted him first, but that's just a difference of opinion. Well, I mean, it, it, it doesn't really, you know, it doesn't so much that, that part of it doesn't so much matter. I don't think, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, um, I mean, does, it does hold some importance, but I don't think it's like, I think at the end of the day, it's going to be, you know, did he solicit to work for Mark or I'm sorry, to work for Daryl or did Daryl solicit him? Um, and how did that come about? And how in the Sam hell, no pun, did Sam get involved in it? You know, how did that happen? Um, because, you know, we've been told that um, that Sam had actually been retained. Um, and, you know, was supposed to, to was supposed to have been representing Daryl and and his son. Um. So I just, that's supposed to be a signed contract, right? Supposed to be, yes, supposed to be a signed contract. So I cut you off. I'm sorry. No, I'm, I'm just, I was letting you go. Um, I was just saying that, you know, that there was a, you know, a signed contract and that, um, to retain, Sam Kelly for attorney. Right. Supposedly. Mm-hmm. That's true. So, you know, with that being said, and, and, you know, again, this is another one of those things in this case that has just, I mean, I've, I've lost sleep trying to figure it out. Um, and. And you, that's my point. I was going to make it came back. You can't work in the state of Tennessee. Um, right. With, as a private investigator. Right. Without. Yeah. We're both on the same. That's exactly where I was going with it. That, you know, when I, when I really think about it, it's like, okay, if, if Daryl Sells had hired Mark Morgan to investigate this case to clear his name or whatever, um, then it would make sense that Sam Kelly was the liaison of that because in the state of Tennessee, I mean, Mark Morgan is not anything that he would have gathered. Anything he would have put together would have been inadmissible in court. Um, investigating the case, at least getting paid to investigate the case, uh, volunteering to gather information, you know, is one thing, but actually being hired and getting paid to investigate a case for somebody um, without 
being licensed by the private investigative board is, it, you know, the equivalent of practicing law without, um, I, every time I say a law license, I, I get, I get, a. uh, corrected. There is no such thing as a law license, only a bar membership. Right, right. I got it. But you still have to have it to to practice law legally in, you know, the state of Tennessee and in most states from what I understand. So um, you know, Mark Morgan could not have been I think that's gotta be where Sam Kelly comes into this, is that he um, has to be the, the, the in-between. He's the one, he would have to have been the one overseeing this so-called investigation. Um, but what I wonder is, go ahead. The thing about that is, is that if Daryl was going to, you know, be hiring him, you know, that kind of, it just like a flip happened and something happened to make um, Mr. Sales, you know, back out and get scared or not want to go through with it or whatever and call the sheriff's department. So that well, kind of. I wonder if what happened, I wonder if what really happened, and I could be wrong, we're just having a conversation here. But yeah. but I wonder if Daryl found out that Mark Morgan was playing both sides. Because, yeah. because, you know, if he was working to... Um, clear his name. Yes, if he was working to clear his name, to investigate, to clear his name, but yet then he finds out, if Daryl somehow found out which again, remember that I had just given up Mark Morgan's name. If it got back to Daryl that Mark Morgan was one of my witnesses and had provided me with a plethora of information implicating him and his family, then I'm wondering if that would be the reason behind the real reason behind the extortion charges. I don't know, but I know that it was like, you know, the meeting with the DA that's in July. Then mm -hmm. you jump forward just a little bit. And about a month. Call about one, about a month. What was it? It was, uh, August 13th. 15th. I think uh, August it was, 15th. it was no, no, the extortion charges. No, 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 no. I'm talking about there was like uh, back up to July was the meeting with the DA. Yes. And then you had a phone call. In fact, you had two of them back to back on August the 15th. Right. Daryl Sells called and me then, twice on August 15th. Yes. Correct. Yes. And then so you jumped forward, you know, to September 12th and extortion charges. Yes. Yes. So, uh, was it, oh, it was September, wasn't it? Okay. So, so July 15th to September. So it was actually two months that went by before the extortion charges came, um, after my meeting with, um, the DA, but still let's clarify that, um, there's, there were, there were phone calls made to Heather, but they were, Heather did not speak with Daryl. Right. I didn't answer. So. I did, right. Yes. But we're just, yeah, he, 
I got two calls on August 15th and I responded with a text just saying, did I miss your call? And then the, I didn't get an answer. So, but yeah, but I mean, it's, it's interesting. And then, um, between it just falls in the middle of that. Well, and you've also got the multiple, um, I, I keep saying witnesses, but like I said, some of these people weren't even witnesses, just people that said things on my Facebook page. But then you got multiple people between that time in that time frame that he went looking for to have a talk with, or you know, like there were there were the threats to them as well. So there was a he was he was a busy, busy, busy man in that time frame. So just a lot of activity, a, a lot of activity. And, you know, I just, I can't wrap my head around exactly how, you know, unless it is, you know, that Mark was possibly, you know, playing both sides of the fence. And, but there's a time gap there. I guess we'll wait. We're supposed to uh, be hearing those audios on Monday. So we'll see if uh, we get to hear them then. Yeah. I'm just responding to um, some of these comments here. <laughs> oh, goodness. Um. Um, another thing that, you know, needs to be cleared up is that some of these people's um, statements, it, does, it doesn't matter um, what they try, you know, what they try to say, what they try to come forward and try to tell, you know, it's always been cut off. Um, it's always been... They need to retract that, that that's not really what they saw, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, those kinds of things. And I don't think that that's, I mean, a statement is a statement. If somebody wants to come forward and make a statement, mm -hmm. I think that you, as your duty, being a deputy or a sheriff or a police officer or whatever, you should have to take my statement. Yes. And that's, you know... <laughs> I, I think I laughed out loud when I read the um, article today. And here, let me just find that real quick because I want to talk about that just a little bit. Um, says the investigation by Dyer County Sheriff's Office into the murder of Karen Swift has been turned over to District Attorney General Danny Goodman for review. Dyer County Sheriff Jeff Box is cautiously optimistic the eight-year homicide investigation will lead to an indictment in Swift's murder. And Box acknowledged he believes the case has been thoroughly investigated by members of his office. We've worked hard over the years compiling evidence and working this case, and we've gone where the evidence has led us. Sidebar, those are my words. I use those exact words in the news segment back in, I think, February. I said, we've gone where the evidence has led us. Or I, I think I said leads, but same thing. Uh, we feel confident we have everything in chronological order, and we also feel confident that we've ruled out anyone that may have been responsible except for one person. 
Swift, a 44-year-old mother of four, was reportedly last seen early Sunday morning, October 30, 2011, by her husband, David Swift, at their home on Willie Johnson Road after she had returned there from a Halloween party. Her white 2004 Nissan Murano was later found abandoned that day on Millsfield Highway near the intersection of Harness Road with a flat tire. Her body was found on Saturday, December 10, 2011, near Bloodsoe Cemetery in Dyer County by a cemetery caretaker. Box said while the majority of the time has been spent on working the evidence in the case, the sheriff's office has been also forced to follow up on false leads, false allegations, and bad information. Okay, time out. That's every investigation. But anyway, the bad quote, the bad information has definitely plagued us during our investigation, said Box. A lot of our time has been spent dealing with falsehoods and conspiracy theories, and some of that stuff is still going on, but we're going forward with the solid evidence that we have. The evidence, as well as the full investigation, is now in the hands of Goodman, who acknowledged he had received it from the sheriff's office. The process that will take place now is that I will go through every piece of evidence they've given me, explained Goodman. It's going to take a while because the file begins at Karen Swift's birth and ends the day she died, so I've got a lot of information to go through, end quote. Goodman explained, while it only takes probable cause to get an indictment, it takes much more than that in order to feel confident about being able to get a conviction. Quote, what I'm going to be looking for with this is if I think there is proof beyond a reasonable doubt with what we have to be able to get a conviction, end quote, added Goodman. Quote, if I don't feel like we have proof beyond a shadow of a doubt, I will not be presenting this case to the grand jury. If I feel like we have what we need, then we will proceed, will proceed accordingly, end quote. Goodman gave no timetable of when a decision to either seek an indictment or not against the suspect based on the evidence would take place. This homicide didn't happen yesterday, quote, this homicide didn't happen yesterday and this investigation didn't wrap up in a few days, so it's going to take some time to go over everything before a decision is made on what we're going to do, end quote, said Goodman. Box extended his thanks to the citizens of Dyer County for their patience and understanding while the investigation has taken place, as well as the appreciation for Goodman's interest in the case. Quote, I appreciate General Goodman's interest in reviewing this case and assistance he has provided since the first day, his first day as district attorney. And thank our citizens for their continued understanding and assistance in supporting the Karen Swift homicide investigation, end quote, said Box. Repeated attempts to contact David Swift, Karen's husband, for comment on the case being turned over to the district attorney's office were unsuccessful. If anyone has any information regarding the murder of Karen Swift, they are urged to call Chief Glenn Cook at the Dyer County Sheriff's Office. Everybody got their pens and paper? Here we go. And this is area code 731-285-2802 or call Crime Stoppers at 731-285-8477. Um, okay, that's the end of that, but... First thing I want to say, starting here at the bottom and working our way up, is um, I have multiple witnesses that have been trying to give statements to the sheriff's department since day one and have been turned away or told to, you know, or made to, according to them, um, they've tried to get them to retract their statements. So I don't know why they want everybody to call and give their statements now 
But I would suggest that any of you who had you know, previously tried to give your statement that they turned away, I would try again now because they're literally saying that if you have information, you're urged to call. So there you go. There's your open door. There's your invitation. And if they are being genuine and they really want those statements, then here's your chance. Um, Someone on Facebook had a great idea. What is that? They said they need to, all those witnesses need to get together oh, yeah. and go down as a group and give their witness statements. Stand to in line the DA. and one by one go in and give their statements. Yeah, I mean, every single one of these statements that have been turned away needs to be in that police file, period. And if they're not in that police file, if, if they're not in that case file, then that's a big problem. And I think that's one thing that Danny Goodman needs to consider. Um, you know, obviously, you know, he's the one, he has a law license. He has experience. He's not, he's not a dumb guy. I, I, I believe 100% that he has the, you know, the experience and the knowledge and, you know, and I sent him, I sent him a text message today. Uh, didn't get an answer, but just telling him that we're praying for his discernment and wisdom and, um, you know, just trying to, you know, let him know that, um, that we, you know, we're counting on him, <laughs> but, um, also, um, the next sentence up from there says repeated attempts to contact David Swift for comment on the case being turned over to district attorney's office were unsuccessful. Well, um, one of the first things I did after reading this was reached out to David and asked if anybody had tried to contact him. No, nobody has tried to contact him. Also his attorney. Nobody's tried to contact his attorney for comment either. So that is not true. Um, let's see. There was something else I wanted to. Oh, and that, okay. Um, it was just that I did, as soon as I read this, you know, I called a handful, you know, I called a handful of my witnesses. I called, you know, some of the ones that, that I believed were, you know, the most valuable to our investigation and ask them if, um, if they had ever contacted them for their statements and no, they have not. So, you know, they're saying that, you know, they've had to waste a lot of time following up on these false, you know, this bad information and these false, uh, falsehoods and whatnot. Well, as far as I know, um, they haven't followed up on any of my leads. They haven't followed up on, they haven't gone to get any of my witness statements um, other than the ones that I know that they went and tried to get them to retract their statements. Um, so I don't, I don't really understand, um, you know, how, how they could have wasted any time with false leads, you know, or anything, because as far you as I know, the only thing that they, the only lead, the only, you know, focus of their investigation from day one has been David Swift. I don't, I mean, I, I, I don't well, have access. Go ahead. I'm sorry. My phone was on a delay. Oh, I was, I was just starting. I was starting to ramble anyway. Go ahead. Um, as far as you know, as you were told that the witnesses were uh, trying to get them to retract the statement, that's what you were told. Yes. Allegedly. Right. I'm just, I'm just trying to. Yeah. And, and that was one of the things also that, that we had addressed when we sat down with Danny Goodman was that, you know, I had all these, 
you know, messages that were forwarded to me and stuff where, you know, they were saying that I was lying about having these witnesses that, um, that I was making this stuff up and I'm working for David. I'm just trying to get him off of murder charges and, you know, so on and so forth. Um, but you know, we, when we sat down with, um, Danny Goodman, you know, we showed him transcripts. We even let him listen to, you know, some of the statements just to show him that no, we're not lying about these witnesses, but that, you know, most of these witnesses had tried to, you know, give statements and had been turned away. And then you've got the one, like I said, or the two rather that, um, that were visited, but weren't, you know, were disregarded were kind of, well, actually three, if you, if you also, um, count, um, the victim's son, who is one of the four that, that, that claims to have seen, um, cells at the crime scene before her body was found. And, you know, when he went to the sheriff's department to give that statement, they turned him away and told him he was dreaming. Um, but he, you know, (laughs) he's told me the story. He sounds, sounded pretty awake to me so much so that he gave me coordinates of exactly where he saw Daryl. So, um, and I'll add something to that real quick. mm -hmm. When he saw him, he didn't know who he was. Right. Um, he didn't know who he was until the segment on the news played. Right. Until he saw pictures of him or the video or whatever. That's when he figured out who he was, but that was, and so that's why it took so long for him to go down there to give a statement. Right. Because he didn't know who he was. And, and he didn't think the anything other thing of it. Is, you know, this isn't just dealing with, you know, what the, what Ellie wants to call uh, drug heads and that kind of thing. Um, there are also, there's like, that's not true. That mm-hmm. is not true mm-hmm. at all. Some of and our witnesses are very... Be. Um, respectable people in the community. Yes. Yes. And I just wanted to kind of clear that up. Um, right. That that's not, that's not true. Yes. That, that, that is not true. Um, and you know, this, our investigation into this case has um, kind of, you know, been a domino effect and led us to other things. Um, as we talked about in the previous uh, podcast, you know, it's got us looking at, um, Cade Tinkle. It's got us looking at Charlie Cook. Um, I, you know, and as we mentioned previously, you know, um, I do feel that Charlie Cook is a common denominator in a lot of these cases. And it is very likely, you know, we know that Charlie Cook's MO, part of his MO was that he recorded everything on his phones. He had he had videos of everything on his phones. One of the things that he did with his victims um, was that he would make them do things while he would record them and he would he would tell them what to do and he would tell them what to say. Um, and if they didn't do and say exactly as he said, he'd turn it off beat the crap out of them and then make them do it again until they did it right. But a court, yeah, well, that's how, 
supposedly that's how he got out of some of his charges because they they had to drop some of the rape charges because he would make some of his victims like he would record them incur you know he'd make them encourage him he'd make them you know tell tell me to do this tell me you know whatever and he'd he'd make it out like they were enjoying it. Like they wanted him to beat them. They wanted him. They were into bondage. They wanted him to pretend like he's raping them, like that sort of thing. Um, so, but we know, you know, he, that was, he was very intelligent. Um, he's, I mean, he's a psychopath. He's a sociopath, you know, and, and sadly, a lot of times, you know, sociopath slash psychopaths are brilliant, you know? Yes. And, very intelligent. And so he knew, you know, how to do these things. And, you know, he played people. He, he, um, he like, for instance, you know, this video supposedly that, that, um, has Karen Swift's murder, um, in it. Um, you know, according to sources, um, Charlie Cook, used that video as a scare tactic against some of his victims and other people. And we have heard and, and believe that Cade Tinkle is connected to that somehow. Um, and now I had said previously, you know, I, I kind of jumped the gun when, um, when I mentioned uh, that Cade Tinkle was, um, arrested for standing up for some of the girls to Charlie Cook. Well, what I had, the mistake I had made with that was that I didn't understand that when I was told that, what they were saying was that that was the real reason, not that, you know, the, 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 the legal reason was public intoxication. But the person that was telling me this was letting me know that um, that prior to him being picked up for public intoxication, and I believe we're talking like three days before, um, that there was an altercation between Cade Tinkle and Charlie Cook where he was standing up for a couple of the victims. And um, we had also received um, a lead that, which... You know, I'm not, I can't say whether this is or is not true, but we did receive a lead that Cade was aware of the video. Um, so I think the timing. Can you explain who Cade Tinkle is and more about, um, what happened to him? Yes. Um, Cade Tinkle uh, is, he was an inmate at the Dyer County jail and he died. He, um, he OD'd, uh, but there's currently a lawsuit pending, um, where Cade's parents are, um, suing the sheriff himself, Jeff Box, as well as uh, the Dyer, as, as well as Dyer County, the Dyer County Sheriff's Department. And they've also listed several of the jailers, um, several of the employees there of the jail as well, um, as defendants, because, you know, they were, they were present at the time. Um, the lawsuit is really about him needing medical attention and not getting it. 
Um, but there's several things about, and, and let me just say on the side that, you know, Cade Tinkle is one of several, um, mysterious deaths in that jail. And, um, and I haven't been able to obtain all of the records, you know, of all of those. But I think one of the big questions that we have about that is, was there surveillance video of Cade Tinkle's death? And if not, why the hell not? Um, it seems awfully convenient that the cameras would have malfunctioned or been turned off or whatever when that happened, if that is the case. Um, so I think, you know, as that lawsuit plays out, um, we, you know, hopefully we'll get some of the answers to that question. Um, but, you know, if, you know, my thought is that Cade Tinkle's phone, I'm sorry, not Cade Tinkle, um, Charlie Cook's phones probably have a lot of answers on them. Um, I think because he did record everything, he did keep everything. And I believe, you know, even though he was an informant for Dyer County, he was smart and he played his cards right. Um, so that, you know, anything that he, any, any sort of power play that he could make to have one up on them, um, you better believe he made that power play. So, you know, I bet he's still playing those. Well, so, you know, I think, I think that, like I said before, you know, I feel like, um, we're finding a lot of connections between Charlie cook and, and some of these murder cases slash missing persons cases. And I'm just wondering, you know, how many of them he is, somehow connected to and are you going to find evidence on his phones you know I, I think that I, I would love to just be able to sit down and go over his phone with a fine tooth comb or better yet to um, send his phone to one of my digital forensic companies and have them um you know, uh, export the data into a data sheet, an organized data sheet, and then sit down and go over that. Everything that has ever been on his phone from the moment that he took it into possession, um, the moment that he's had it, every text message, every picture, every video, um, to be able to go back and look at everything, because I feel like it would, I feel like it would answer a, a lot of questions about a lot of cases in Dyer County. So, um, anyway, I find, I find I this, that. yes, go ahead. Go ahead, Tracy. Okay. I don't know what happened to her, but I, I, I wasn't talking. I wasn't talking. I was, um, oh, well, I don't know what that was then. Somebody said something. Um, well, anyways, um, I find this 
um, timing of this article in the State Gazette, the timing of them handing over um, the file to the DA's office and seeking an indictment, I find that to be very conspicuous considering, you know, the recent developments on our end. Um, and um, I just, I, I want to add in that it's like history, like this is repeating history. Well, yes. Um, you know, there was, the file was turned over to Phil Bivens, um, in the beginning of the case and Phil Bivens was not comfortable with, um, presenting it to the grand jury for an indictment at that time because he didn't feel that Jeff Box had um, a sufficient amount of evidence to convict David Swift. Now, you say it's repeating history. Well, I mean, that'll yes, be... Yes, but that was in 2014. Yeah, that, that when these announcements are coming out, like the one that appeared today, what events were taking place, like, when these things like you're saying a timing now mm -hmm. well there's been timing in the past mm -hmm. and in 2014 there was some new evidence um that came forward mm -hmm. and he put that i mean that was in the paper box made a um, announcement to all of us mm -hmm. and well it the proof again the proof is in the pudding and we will see what danny does with this, you know, we'll just have to see where he goes from here. Um, yeah. you know, um, and that, just, if I recall right, that was election time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, we'll just have to see, you know, we can't just sit back and wait, I guess, cause we can't really predict the future. Um, I, as I said before, I do think that Danny, um, is uh, an intelligent man, and I think he certainly has the, you know, the capacity to to make a sound decision. I he, I wouldn't want to be in his position right now. I'll tell you that, because I mean, it's the pressures on him right now, um, and everybody everybody wants to see an indictment in this case. But I think also, you know. We want a conviction. Right. Well, we want a conviction. Yes. Everybody wants a conviction. Exactly. But, but I think that, um, I think that there are just too many people out there with questions as to why, you know, some of this other stuff was never looked at, was never followed up on, you know, some of these statements that, that were never actually taken. Um, and especially now, and I'm I'm not I'm not going to get into um, too much about what's on the video or allegedly on the video that we've been told about. But I will say that if the video is real and if our witnesses are telling us the truth about who is on that video, then oh, this makes perfect sense to me perfect sense, you know, because they'd have to, he, they'd have to make a move, have to, you know, and, and would have to convince 
the DA, you know, they'd have to get an indictment and convince the DA and, and get this rolling before that comes out. If, if it's real, you know, and, and, and they know that, you know, phone calls have been made and people have been, you know, informed of the possibility of this video. So I, all I can do at this point is pray that that video surfaces and pray that it is sitting in Lauderdale County evidence and that they do look at it and find it. Um, and even if, even if it's not, you know, because like I've said, you know, to you guys and, and some other people that it's, I don't know how likely it is that Charlie Cook was using the same phone to video things in 2018 as 2011. I mean, is it even possible that he was using the same phone and that, that the phone that has allegedly has Karen Swift's murder on it is included in the three phones that are sitting in evidence in Lauderdale County right now. Is that even possible? I don't know. I mean, I think we'd be incredibly lucky if that's the case, because I don't know about y'all, but I don't use the same phone for probably more than three years at the most. Um, but if it's not, you know, I mean, for one thing, I would still bet money that there's, um, there is crucial evidence to other cases other than just the case that convicted him for, um, his crimes against, uh, Terrell, but that, you know, with it being Charlie's MO to, you know, record things on his phone, I think it would be safe to assume that there is evidence on those phones sitting in Lauderdale County of other crimes that he's committed, other things that he's been involved in. Uh, whether or not one of those cases is Karen Swift, I don't know. And um, the likelihood, you know, of it is probably not good considering that, like I said, it's been, you know, seven years. And But if it's not on those phones, I would think, you know, if he's smart, which I'm hearing he is, that that video probably exists in more than one place. Um, I would guess maybe in an iCloud account. Um, I would guess, you know, on a hard drive somewhere, on a thumb drive somewhere, on a disk somewhere. Um, I would imagine if this was this guy's, you know, scare tactic and get out of jail free card that he would probably have saved it in many places. And if that's the case, it's just a matter of figuring out where. And um, if it exists, if it exists, yes. Um, but I just, you know, um, like I've told a lot of people already, um, is that it's been corroborated by multiple people who 
um, were privy to this information uh, straight from Charlie Cook. And secondly, you just can't make this shit up. I mean, I'm telling you, I spent hours upon hours on the phone with these witnesses. And not only did they all corroborate, but they all had their own stories with very detailed and long beginning, middle and ends. This wasn't like, oh yeah, blah, 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 end of story, which would be, you know, an indication. And anybody who's had any tra- uh, statement analysis training, you you know that there is a formula to the intro, the body, and then the finale, so to speak, of a person's story. There is a formula uh, percentage-wise, and if those if that formula is off, it's it's oftentimes an indication that it's a lie. For instance, um, if a person, you know, if the, if the body of the story, the you know, is is longer, and then they kind of wrap it up like, and that's what happened, and that's the end of it, you know. But then they don't kind of go on with like, you know, their thoughts about it or how it made them feel or whatever, like. Um, those are all ways, you know, our human brain, um, will conclude the happening, you know, whatever just happened to us, that's natural. And if that's not included in a story, it's oftentimes an indication that it's not true. And these witnesses, I mean, their stories were very lengthy and had the right proportions of, introduction, body, and final conclusion. Um, So because of that, you know, and because the story itself is, like I said, (laughs) you just can't make this shit up. It's, it's terrible. I mean, it, it sounds like a horror movie. It's unbelievable. You know, you, you can't make it up. So anyway, my point is with all that is that, you know, here we were being very, um, verbal and open with the public about what was going on. And then all of a sudden this, um, you know, statement released in the state Gazette about the indict, you know, the, the, that they're trying to seek an indictment. And, um, and all I can say is well played Dyer County. Well played. On that note, I think that's all I have to say. (laughs) So Tracy and Chastity, um, if you have anything you want to add, Uh, No, not really. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're going to keep moving. We're going to keep, we're going to keep going uh, like we do. And, um, faith and pray. Well, we love you guys and, um, just stay strong with us and, uh, don't let your voices be stifled. Have a good week. Bye-bye.